Welcome back to Don't Call It a Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Dan. We have the second section of Hyperion today. That is, we're reading, we read up to chapter 37, so through chapter 36. So we're going we're gonna to be covering a lot of the book. Dan, but what, what did you want to bring up to me first? Yeah, so I live kind of close to a, a busy street. And on this street, every now and then, somebody drives by on a big, giant motorcycle. And I don't really have, like, a good... Hold on. Now, now I know this doesn't sound fantasy or sci-fi related. We're going to get there. Mm-hmm. I trust you. Yeah. Uh, I always wonder the kind of person that owns one of these machines that just wants to announce their presence to everyone... Now I can I can like a part of me kind of understands why you own a big loud motorcycle because like it's probably kind of fun for you but you have to have a certain amount of like lack of concern for anyone else in the world and these motorcycles are definitely designed to sound like this they don't you don't have to sound like this if you're riding a motorcycle so I was thinking about we've we've read a lot of fantasy books with wizards and spellcasters and things like that. And I'm kind of curious what magic user you think would be most likely to use spells that are the equivalent of riding one of these motorcycles around. Just the most obnoxious, loud, doesn't care about anyone else spells. The spells that go down the street, you know? <laughs> sure. Who Oof. who that we have either read about or that we know about is one of these spellcasters? That's a good question. I'm trying to think. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I'm surprised by how few names come to mind. Right? It, because... So it seems to me like most spellcasters are kind of like cool in a way, in in a way that this isn't cool. But with the number of spellcasters that, you know, in worlds where magic is very common, there have got to be people who are doing this, right? Yeah. <sighs> so I'm tra- honestly, a part of me thinks Quoth. Hmm. No, I'm not thinking Quoth. Because mm. I think I think Quoth is the kind of person that leans too far into the criticism of that, if that makes sense. I know we're going super meta there, mm-hmm. but... Mm-hmm. Okay, no, 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 I got you, I got you. I mean, he is pretty, like, he does like to put on a show, but I don't right. think he likes this kind of a show. It's right. too... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, I, I feel like I, I'm... If we can go maybe just fantasy characters, not necessarily. Okay. Yes. Let's go let's go there. Um obvious one is like Joffrey. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean definitely Joffrey. There's no question. You can't see see the thing with this is you can't just pick villains because villains don't necessarily like I'm not gonna pick Draco Malfoy for this. See, because yeah, he's I was, not the kind of person that I was would do kinda that. thinking Draco, but no, he wouldn't do that. No, no. Okay, but yeah, we can't... I mean, it can't be Draco Malfoy. That doesn't quite fit the fit the persona. Yeah, I think yeah. Joffrey is very good. 
I wonder who the like, but Joffrey's also kind of a bad guy, right? <laughs> yes. Maybe a little bit. I wonder if there are any like good characters that would do this. I'm sure there are. I feel like there's an argument for Geralt. Ooh. Mm. Mm. Okay, what's your argument for Geralt? Because I feel like it's a little bit too ostentatious for Geralt. It's a little no, too. I agree, out there. actually. I agree. I'm going to take that back. <clears throat> Maybe we've just found like an, an, an opening. We need we need a character that's written for this. Yeah, we need the. This is a this is a large population. Right. We need the sorcerer, wizard, witch version of a dude riding a Harley through a calm, quiet neighborhood where people are just trying to sleep, just trying to have that mid afternoon nap, but they don't care. They don't care. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I I mean. Luke and I, Luke and I struggled for this one, uh, but if you're listening and you're like, "Oh, dude, it's for sure Herman the Wizard," tweet Ooh, us. Okay, hang on. Tell me what you think of for good. This might be a stretch, but tell me what you think of Locke. I did. Okay, I did consider that. I feel like Locke would do it as part of a like disguise. But their whole deal is too incognito to be, right? Like bratting down the road. Yeah, I don't think I don't think the reason it's not Locke is because Locke doesn't have the personality for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's more. Oh yeah. You know okay. I mean? So Locke's personality would definitely brat down the road. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I know what you're saying. Yes, one hundred percent. Locke would do this. Yeah. Uh, oh, the other thing we should mention before we move off of this. Okay, I know Hagrid rides a motorcycle, but Hagrid, I don't feel like Hagrid would brat down the street. What is the, what is the word you're saying? You know, like brat. (laughs) Ooh, would Dumbledore do this? That, that, uh, that's a hot take. I I think maybe Dumbledore would do this. Maybe that's where Hagrid got the motorcycle from. Like Dumbledore's gotten too old for his shenanigans, so he gives it to Hagrid? Yeah. Yeah. Dumbledore became... Actually, okay, you know what? The obvious answer is Harry's dad. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) The little that we know about Harry's dad, Harry's dad would brat down the road, no problem. Yeah. Yeah, okay, (laughs) I think we found it. Uh, (laughs) If you want to add anybody to this illustrious club listener tweet at us tweet at us with the magic brat club hashtag magic brat club just use two r's yeah that's how it is okay that's the brat all right into let's get into hyperion or fall of hyperion that is oh it's fallen yeah it's okay it's fallen in so, a major way yeah like i said we've read through chapter 36 um you want to start off or you want me to I just want to say, we told them about the ousters. We freaking knew the whole time. It was like, yeah, don't, ousters are definitely going to fuck up your shit. Don't listen to the military, ever. And it's then, like, why are you, why are you, like, 
overlooking the ousters so much. Yeah. And then what happens right away in this section? Ousters are everywhere. That thing that the military said could never happen definitely happened. And everything is everything is completely fucked. Okay, here's I have about kind of about this. I have a question for you that is more of a clarification thing because part of this I didn't really get. And okay. I want to see if you get it and can explain it to me. There's they had this I or I forget who brings it up in the meeting. It's like, you know, they could just be sending their ships without this hawking drive or whatever it mm-hmm. is that they can track through. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, but they would have had to plan that like 300 years ago. Right. But then it turns out that's what they did. And then they turn on their hawking drive, I guess. And then there's like a time debt that seems really, the, the time debt thing seems really inconsistent. So they're, if they could, because it ends up they planned it like 50 years ago, is I think their number. Yeah. So they've been just driving regularly for 50 years, getting closer to these places. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they turn on their Hawking Drive and they're there in like 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I understand this as like the Hawking Drive is faster than light travel. So mm-hmm. that's how people like actually get around the galaxy. And the speed that they were going before is like below light speed and but it's like untraceable like it's undetectable right it's undetectable but my question is they went they went a certain distance in that 50 years Mm -hmm. it can't have been that far so like how how negligible is the difference between the the 50 years and then they turn on the Hawking Drive versus the... Uh, I see what you're saying. The yeah. 200 years that they would have... Like, they could have done this at any time, right? Ooh. And maybe given, like, to these core worlds, given, like, two days' notice instead of 24 hours or something like that. Hmm. What, what am I missing here? Okay, I think two things. The first is I think that 50 years is actually much further than we're giving them credit for. Hmm... Okay, and the second actually might be an alternative explanation, not... Okay, so first explanation is maybe that 50 years actually gave them a good amount of distance. Maybe they actually covered a lot of territory in 50 years. The second explanation is maybe they didn't cover a lot of territory in 50 years, but they were just, like, hiding, essentially, for 50 years in the same location... Because they had decoys going around that were showing Hawking Drive trails. So the web was tracing these decoys around and thought they were like pretty far away. But in fact, those weren't actually the swarms. So maybe, maybe they didn't go very far in 50 years, but they were just invi- essentially invisible, but like in close proximity. Okay, sure. I could potentially buy that. I think I was just, I, the timing thing and the time debt thing kind of seemed inconsistent to me and I didn't quite get it, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to just take it at, at what the author says, because why not? (laughs) Yeah, sure. Dan, it's your world. Fine. Yeah. Surprise. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. I, so you know how it seems like the Shrike can pause time and and 
do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. But we only see him every now and then. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what is, what is this Shrike doing for these other times? I know. Oh, you okay? All right, you've got an answer. Figured it out. Sharpening his blades because it's got to take that long. You think they're all sharp? Oh yeah, the amount of things that he uses, they're all, and the, and every time he uses one of them, it's like the sharpest thing in the universe. Okay, he, that's taken. That's taken a while. To get that really honed to a to a point, yeah. Because especially if he's using them so often, you know, mm, mm-hmm. using them pretty often, he's got like a billion of them, and they're all they're all so sharp. Yeah. Okay, that's true. But I think, I think it's I think it's taken up a lot of time. But I feel like you could design a contraption that would be Shrike shaped that he would just have to like, like. Okay, he gets a little trampoline and this little, like, shrike-shaped rock up ahead of him and just, like, jumps, like, kind of bounces back and forth between them and, like, sharpens them all at once. So you're saying he's not going, he's not going, like, whetstone. No, 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 He's no, going, no. he's going one of those expensive electric sharpeners. Exactly. But he just, like, does them all at one time. It's shaped for the shrike. Yeah, yeah. Because, okay. I mean... Yeah, sure, it takes a while to build that, but once you have it, it's such a time saver, right? Yeah. Now... Yeah. And it costs money, but, I mean... Everything yeah. costs money, so... Luke, that's that's one explanation for what the Shrike is doing in his, in his spare time. Uh, I think another explanation has to do with what the Shrike is. And the Shrike... The Shrike is a lot of sharp, pointy metal things. But, uh, Luke, if I, you know, went down to the hardware store and picked up uh, a Leatherman pliers, one of those Leathermans that have all the knives and toothpicks and clampy things in it, and told you, all right, look at this and then design it for a hyper-intelligent AI, it would probably look like the Shrike. Sure. I think the Shrike is doing this all as a hobby. This is his this is his vacation time, and his main job is to essentially be a Swiss Army knife for this hyper intelligent AI. Ooh. That's what that's what the Shrike is doing all the time. That's like his 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 normal job is super mundane and he's like, I have so much more potential than this. So in my off time I'm gonna go do crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The Shrike is like a super villain. But, well, the Shrike has, like, the powers of a super villain. So he has, like, fantasies while this AI is, like, opening a can of cat food with him. He's like, I'm, like, so powerful. No one will stop me. And that's how he, like, gets through the day is just thinking about all this cool, powerful shit that he's going to do when he goes to his little, like, superhero world. He's like a guy at work all day that fantasizes about like where he is like progress in a video game like how far he is in dark souls he's like he like pick he like gets so immersed in it that he is dark souls you know what i mean mm-hmm. i do mm. relatable am i right um okay yeah that's probably that's a good point i mean we get a disc we do get a a different answer as to what the shrike is but 
I don't, I think I like your answer better. Mm. Here's, here's the other thing that I want to break that, that's kind of up to, or kind of an extension of my sharpening thing. Uh, and just cause we hadn't gotten dumb enough. The Shrike in theory is pretty old, right? Well, let's, I mean, has let's doing... say yes, but I, I think the time thing is weird to talk about. Okay. Okay. But you'll, you'll hear what I'm saying. Let's say yes. So he, when, when you, when you sharpen a knife, mm. <laughs> you're taking a little bit of material off. Uh-huh. You think this guy was a lot bigger back oh. when he was created? Because he's gone through tons of sharpenings, I'm mm-hmm. going to say. Mm-hmm. Those blades are a little bit smaller each time. I mean, obviously it's pretty minuscule, but he's got to be sharpening pretty often to get him to that fine of a point. Well, and if they're at that fine of a point, they're going to be pretty fragile. So there's going to be a lot of material that comes off of it if you get right. it to that sharp of a point. Mm. So you're saying when the Shrike was first made, it was just like just like a sea anemone of spikes that could not move at all. It was just this mass of sharp things. I'm more saying that all of his blades were just bigger. Okay. And, and now the Shrike is like... So what? he's like three meters tall right now, has these giant blades. That guy was, was a lot bigger back in the day. Or, or forward in the day. Ooh. So maybe... You're saying maybe this is a crossover, and the Shrike used to be Megatron. Ooh. At one point in the Shrike's career, he was taking on Optimus Prime. He was fighting our friend Bumblebee. Right. He used to be... He used to be the blunt force kind of guy. Uh, sharpened all of his edges down. Turned into the Shrike. Now he's the Shrike. And just, he's getting smaller and smaller, more frustrated each time mm-hmm. because, you know, the smaller he is, kind of the less damage he can do. So just getting more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's built that gigantic tree to just compensate for his tiny, tiny Shrike body. Yeah, it's obvious. It's like, this, dr- this tree is ridiculous. Okay, yeah. Actually, now that we're talking about the tree, this tree is ridiculous. Did you catch how big they said this tree was? It's like a uh, a few kilometers they tall, They said the right? trunk was five kilometers. Tall, right? Ooh, did they say... Uh, I think, yes, yes. They said it was five, five kilometers, kilometers tall. tall. That is insane. Okay, for reference, for reference. Tallest tree in the world, okay? I'm Googling this right now. Because we need the reference. I'm going to say the tallest tree in the world is less than a kilometer, okay? Uh, yeah. Holy. Okay, okay. Dude. Dude. I just Googled. Tallest tree. This, okay, normally we'd cut this. I just Googled tallest tree in the world. The first thing Google brings up, it's called Hyperion. Whoa. The tallest tree in the world is called Hyperion. So whoever named that tree, wh- what are you doing? What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> okay this tree this tree is 115 meters tall that is that is 0.1 kilometers tall yeah so hang on okay i'm going tallest i'm going tallest building okay tallest building 
is 828 meters. That's less than a kilometer. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're stacking five to six of those on top of each other. Mm-hmm. Making them a little chubbier, probably. And that's the height of the tree. That's just how tall it is. This thing, like, covers the entire sky with branches of people just screaming. This thing is insane. You kidding me? Overcompensating. Shrike, calm down. What are you doing? Gosh. Maintaining that has got to be a pain. Maybe that's, that's what the Shrike is doing all day. It's got to be Probably. trimming. Got to be trimming branches. You can't just let that thing grow. Right, because you've got to also organize the branches a little bit. Right, right. I mean, yeah. if you're if you ascribe to the Church of the Final Atonement, you've got you know branches over here for people who didn't respect the Shrike and all of his cool badassness. You've got branches over here for people who didn't love the Shrike as much as they should have, and then you've got branches mm-hmm. over here. For people who eat cereal with water. Oh, God. I know. Okay. Those are the ho- those are the tallest branches. Right. Plus, you've got to carry... It's Think about how inconvenient it is for him to be carrying everybody up to these branches. And... Like, I'm sure he... I'm sure he filled out the bottom layers pretty quickly. Now he's so high up, he's like, fucking, I don't want... I'm just going to kill this one. I'm not taking him <laughs> up there. That's a huge deal. There's not an elevator, I don't think. No, maybe he's just gotten really good at, like, TP-chucking people is the only way I can think of it. You know when you TP a tree and you you get it right oh, up in yeah. there? And okay. So the Shrike has just really perfected his technique. 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 Uh, the The problem with this, though, is he also has... Do you think he has one-on-one private intimate moments with all of these people that he puts on the tree because everybody we've seen that he puts on the tree he says like hey buddy it's time we gotta go come on i'm gonna put you on this cool tree i don't know if he says that to everybody you think it's just these people that we're reading about i feel like he only said that to martin he only communicated to martin and martin's the only one on the tree oh that's a good point Hmm. maybe Maybe everyone on that tree has one of those crazy stories that Martin had. No, you know what it is? Everybody on that tree is, like, almost finished with the greatest poem in the world. They, like, they got, like, so close to finishing this poem. And then the Shrike came for him, and they were like, No, come on, Shrike! And the Shrike was like, Dude, this shit sucks. I'm not letting you release this. This is for your own good. You're gonna thank me later. Come on. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say they're not all... They're not all poems, but everyone on that tree got really close to perfecting their thing. And there's so many people in there, so there's so many just really specific things. You've got, like, the yo-yo master on there, and yeah, somebody who got really good at fidget spinners for however long those were going on. One of those guys' salad dressings is so close to perfect. He almost cracked the code, and the Shrike was like, we can't have this. He's like, they almost... Immersed perfectly. I think this is why... This kind of explains why when Martin is doing his weird poetry slam, his weird interpretive poetry slam that's interspersed with, like, screaming, everybody gets quiet and listens up. 
because they recognize a craftsman. They recognize someone who's perfected an art. They say real recognize real. Yeah, yeah, and one of they're they're just like, oh man, if I had my yo-yos right now, I could totally help out too. But I guess we can just listen to this guy for now. Maybe they're they're all gonna get inspired soon and start doing their version of their thing. And there's gonna be like a big musical number, and everybody's gonna come off the tree and defeat the shrike with the power of love. I assume so. Yeah, yeah, okay. that's what I'm looking forward to. Okay, down to down on the ground. See that transition? Mm-hmm. We've got we've got our pilgrims, and we've got Lamia has this like neural shunt metal umbilical thing. She's passed out. We've got Hetmastine also passed out. Well, we've dead. got Hetmastine died. Okay, okay, but in the but in the right context now... that I'm, the timing that I'm thinking of is when he's passed out, and then we've got the console. Doing doing fine. We've got Sol and his daughter doing fine. Well, his daughter's getting younger, but doing fine. And we've got Father Dure also doing fine. And this brings me back to a point that I tried to make a lot last episode. The console takes his little flying carpet. It's like, I'll go, I'll go get my ship. And that'll fix everything. What are you... What are you doing? There's... What are you expecting your ship to do? He's like, okay, this neural... This this umbilical metal thingy that's... That's doing something to... To Lamia. We'll just get the ship to, like, shoot it off. It'll be chill. Yeah, dude, this happens to people all the time. They've got, like, a special thing on the ship for it, so it's cool. And then, and then we'll just, you know, we'll put in, we'll put in your daughter into the little chamber. She'll be fine. No, you're the, the, all of these crazy things happen because of the Shrike. You can't fix them with your normal ship. And also, like, that's why you're there. Yeah. You're there for crazy shit to happen to you because you're, it's kind of like your last resorts. And, and what the console is saying, hey, I know we came all this way and this was kind of like our last-ish effort anyway, but we could not. We could just not, you know? And everyone's like, like everyone's I know- so quickly is like, yeah, 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 let's not. <laughs> what? Everyone's just so regretting their decision. Because they, they came in, they're like, okay, we're going to go to this crazy place. Some crazy stuff's going to happen to us because of our our past that was also crazy. And then, like, the moment crazy stuff starts happening to them, they're like, let's get out. Let's get out. This is, okay, We're get, it's getting kind of close to Halloween. So this is, like, your friend who is, like, begging your friend group to go to one of these, like, haunted forests where there are people running around, like, actors running around with chainsaws that don't have the blades on them, and they get, like all up in your face and they're just trying to terrify you and you get there and the first fucking clown that pops out of the woods this guy goes nope i'm leaving nope let's get in the car i'm going home right now nope 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 and it's like you brought us here you talked about this non-stop for like three weeks and you can't even handle a little jump scare come on we paid 50 dollars for this (laughs) you're not going home (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. 
Also, this... So it's called a hawking mat. Mm -hmm. No infotainment system on this guy? Well... What what are we doing? (laughs) At least have, like, a Bluetooth... Download some podcasts. You've got, like, you've got like a 40-hour trip ahead of you. Yeah. He had his comm log, right? Oh, no, he left that. No, yeah, he left his portable DVD player. <laughs> he was like, Soul, I know you and the baby could get... Maybe you want to watch The Wiggles or something. You take it. <laughs> right, but at least be like, okay, let me download my music back mm-hmm. onto my... Because mm-hmm. it's got a speaker. No, you know what happened is he got two hours in and he like rummages around a little bit and pulls out the aux cord and he's like, yeah, nice. Okay. And then he plugs into the hawking mat and he's like, uh, dang it. I left it with soul. Shoot. Uh, I had a, I had a book on tape I was saving for this. That's definitely what happened. The other thing that happened while the console was writing, writing on his hawking mat is he stops Right before he gets to the sea of grass, there's a little outpost. He has a little drink of water. And it says he goes and uses the toilet. It seems perfectly normal on its face. But the console missed such a great opportunity to not use a toilet. And I think it needs to be pointed out. The, the world is literally ending around him. You can, you can go to the bathroom wherever you want and it will not matter no one's gonna find it not no one this is between you and the shrike where you go poop and you decide this could be my last poop ever i'm gonna do it in the toilet like every other poop before this one what are you doing yeah i mean at least so i understand the stop by the toilet because you got to grab some toilet paper. Exactly. But grab the toilet paper, fly up to 200 meters, get a great view. Find find one of those snakes in the grass. Hover over it, too high for it to see you. Just do a little bombing run. Pretend like you're a pigeon. You get one day you can pretend like you're a pigeon. And you're not going to take that opportunity? Right. Yeah. Incredible. Or, here's another idea. He's so close to those gigantic mountains. Top of one of those things. Dude, come on. See, see how far it rolls? Ooh, I hadn't even thought of that. You could start it like a giant avalanche, and you could be like, that was my dookie. <laughs> I'm, that's my proudest one. But no, he, yeah. he puts yeah. it in the toilet like every other... Every other... <laughs> one that he's ever done in his whole life yeah that's definitely a waste i'm on board with you there um okay i have oh wait hold on luke i just realized okay hold on we got it we're gonna stay on this for like half a second longer maybe their toilets are super good though oh that's a good point maybe this is because we are so far in the future if you think about how toilet technology has advanced now, and if you think of the technology they have in Japan right now, which apparently it's just marvelous to use a toilet in Japan. Sure, sure. Maybe it is just like the greatest luxury in the world to use a toilet. And so this is a little like, this is a little treat that he's given himself. You know what I mean? Sure. 
I think I'm coming back around. I still, I, I don't, I still think that he's spent most of his life using those kinds of toilets, though. Mm, that's true. Yeah, he probably has one on it. He probably has one on his ship. Okay, no, I'm back against the console. No, he's got one on his ship. When he gets there, he could just use that toilet if he wants. This is a golden right. opportunity, and he just let it slip through his fingers. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Okay. One, my, my last kind of in, insignificant thing before we get into some more serious notes that I have. Oh, okay. The, the, the new Cybrid, uh, Severn, M. Severn, he's, he, he's, you know, has this meeting with Gladstone and then she's like, okay, go. I don't fully know what she says, but she's gives him this like universal card, go wherever you want whatever how how stylish do you think that universal card looks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like yeah you know how you know how the best credit cards yes. right now they're heavy it's like, they've it's got like some heavy. weight it's to like them. matte black or something like that mm-hmm. 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 okay yes this thing it's also i'm gonna say it's also branded like this it has the gucci logo on it this universal card not because gucci made it but because they know that that's like come on right yeah i don't know it's got to be because people recognize it instantly people recognize it too they're like okay (laughs) this guy can i take a picture of that oh hold on yeah it's got to be so it's got to be so i don't even know because like the style for that i'm considering right now is pretty minimalist Mm mm-hmm and, like, you know, matte colors are all the rage right now. Yes, yes. It's, like, minimalist and matte, but I don't know if that's the case for this. No, I think it is, and I think it is because I think every other card is super, like, kitschy. It's super, like, flamboyant, and there's, like, a bunch of ads for, like, SeaWorld all over it and coupons attached to it. Yeah, so you've got you've to pay extra to get no ads on your card. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's instantly recognizable because it's so sleek and cool, and you're like that's an important card you can go anywhere you can go uh, i'll give you whatever you want that's cool everyone else all the other peasants and their cards look like chuck e cheese tickets yeah yeah that's for sure what's going on so speaking of gladstone though we in this in this section of the book the hegemony is like falling apart and at the very beginning of the section, Gladstone comes into a meeting with all of her advisors and they're all telling her, okay, this is like our best possible option. Here's our problems. Here's, you know, the fastest we can do this, all this stuff. Gladstone quiets everybody and says, this is what's going to happen. The, uh, we're going to get everybody evacuated. We're going to defeat the ousters and we're going to move all our ships to the right locations. Go do it. Okay, Gladstone, I get you're in a tough spot. I get you've got to motivate people to take action because shit's falling apart. That's not how this works. The, the time for you to say something and it to be done just how you said it is over at this point. The, just because you say, well, yeah, we're going to evacuate everyone, do it. That, that has no power. That's done. You can't, that's not how anything works at this point. 
It's irresponsible of you to say this, actually. And nobody... Right, like, she's she's just going for a cool-sounding, I don't know, little speech thingy. Everyone else is like, okay, but we wanted you to make a decision on stuff. Right, like, we can't, so we can't do all those things. We could try and do all those things like you're telling us to, and we it will end horribly. <laughs> uh, but I get it, you're thinking about what the historians are going to write about this moment when we turned everything around. That's not this moment, Gladstone. Hold on. Yeah, I agree with you on that. That's ridiculous. Um, it's not a sign of good leadership. It's a sign of a politician. That's what it is. Mm. This is why we got to get the politicians out of government. Exactly. Exactly. That's a good point. Okay. The let me see my next thing. Oh, okay. We go into the we go into the web with Lamia and her Keats guy. Oh, we go into the data sphere. We go into the data or sphere. Or the megasphere. Yeah. Yeah. And I I know I think so this book was written before really well, I don't know what exactly this book was in, but before really the like internet was big and mm-hmm. and we we knew that much about it what it would look like i think it's do you have any qualms with the way that them going into the web is described where it's like a bunch of cities or where where it's like a bunch of forests and like a bio you mean just the the visuals that they're giving us about the web yeah i kind of like it okay that's that's fair. Like it's cool, and I don't, I don't think I want it to be different mm-hmm. because it would be kind of lame if it was just like. Because what I'm picturing their conversation with this AI, yeah, like this is a this is a phone call or an email chain, yeah. In 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 what I'm what I would picture, yeah. So I don't want it to be changed to that, which is probably more realistic. But I just, I just want, I just wanted to say that it's this. Sh- this should be more of an email chain, right? They really like, should. They be emailing this AI like, "Hey, uh, Keats Cybrid guy here, what's going on?" You're saying they should have handled this on Slack and not had a meeting. They didn't need to you gather don't have the to whole. Travel. Yeah, they didn't need to travel across the country, take a flight for this. They definitely could have handled this via email. Yeah, that's true. Mm. But Luke, one of the what if those like data panthers, you know, jumped up and snatched it? That's true. It's a good point. You got to watch out for the data panthers. So in that case, it's much easier in an in-person meeting. Right, right, right. I will say, I think it's a lot cooler the way that it's written. Yeah, it sounds like a video game boss that they're like standing in the palm of its hand. And it's this giant, dark figure. It sounds incredible. Yeah. It sounds very cool. I can see the cutscene in the video game. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, the way that the AI tells this story is kind of confusing. I think it's trying to be confusing, and I think it makes sense that this AI made the Keats persona, because this AI... The reason this AI made the Keats persona is everybody hated its poetry. 
this AI was constantly throwing out poems to the other AIs, and they were like, dude, your shit's not good. I know you're trying. Stop coming to open mic, please. You're ruining it for everyone else. He's like, fine, I'm just going to make the best poet there ever was, and he's going to do it, I guess. And then he does it, and the real reason he kills Keats is because Keats is actually way better than him at poetry, and he's too jealous. Mm. Okay, that's, I can see that. That's my meta-narrative for, for that whole relationship there. But yeah, sure, his, sure. his story is so whack. Just, you're a... You're an AI. Just say it in words. <laughs> Why? Yeah, because I don't really picture AIs talking in really cr- crazy ways. In, like, pentameter? We don't need Shakespeare. <laughs> we just need the data. Give us the bytes. He could have just been like, here's the zeros and ones of what I know. Here you go. Enjoy that. But Enjoy those bytes. <laughs> delicious here's a compressed folder of you know (laughs) yeah i but okay so the 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 story we get some information on the the ultimate intelligence kind of thing Mm -hmm. i thought it was i thought i think it's pretty cool that there's two yeah that was awesome and i think it's pretty cool that the first message the ultimate intelligence sends back is like there's another pretty cool yeah i was into it um, and then we learned that the Shrike was just, was something that the ultimate intelligence sent back to find the part of the other ultimate intelligence. Yeah. The empathy part of the other intelligence. Yeah. yeah. That's fair and all. And a lot of this was super cool, but I was expecting the Shrike to be a little more, more of its own plot twist kind of thing. Honestly. And I think I'm still kind of expecting this. I thought the Shrike was going to turn out to be good the whole time. I did, too. Okay. I did, too. Okay. I, and I'm still kind of expecting the Shrike to turn out to be, like, the good one and the one that we should have been rooting for the whole time. Like, the Shrike is actually the empathy part? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I don't... The, the more we learn about it, the more it just seems like a big, bad, evil thing. Um, yeah, it seems... It was this, it was this like titan of the story, you know, like super important and mysterious. I, I find it hard to believe that it's just, it's just like a retrieval thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe that could just speak to how powerful the ultimate intelligence is, you know? Yeah. I think they have to stop calling it the ultimate intelligence though. Because there's another one? Yeah, because it's not. It's not the ultimate intelligence. Right. So I that's just a naming thing. They need to call it something else. You can keep UI. Make maybe call it uh I don't know. You can't you can't keep UI because that's user interface. UI uh, was already a mistake. Yeah, that's true. Well, but if you're an AI, you don't have a UI anyway. Yeah, but it's just like confusing. That is confusing, yeah. Maybe maybe you call it the RCI, the really cool intelligence. Okay. Kind of in the same vein, there's a lot of so so the Shrike has a lot of things that are that seem extraneous to its goal. Like the tree. How it what is the how what is that if he's just looking for 
stuff. Okay, so so okay, I'm excited to I'm excited to see what that is. But I'm also there's a lot of there's a lot of loose strings right now. Like I even forgot about the labyrinths until this section. But there's a lot of crazy unexplained stuff, and I feel I get the sense that a lot of them are going to be tied into the story. And I'm I'm excited to see how that happens. Yeah, the I'm I was telling Luke before we started recording, we got to the end of part two, and I was concerned that my Kindle had messed up with the percentages, and we were almost done with the book. But no, this book has four parts, and I am so hyped for the conclusion. It is getting incredibly epic. Uh, and if Dan. Gives us another climax, like the end of Hyperion, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah. Where they all just kind of walk off, and it's like, what's even happening? <laughs> yeah, so there's things like, well, I guess we kind of know what the labyrinth is going to be. And potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more details about the strike. There's who's the... Who's the empathy thing? There's just so many things, and I think it's going to be crazy. Yeah. Okay. But, okay, hold on, though, because I think I know why the tree exists. So, and I, I, I don't remember if they explicitly mentioned this or if it's implied, but I think the Shrike is trying to lure empathy with the tree. I think the tree is like bait because, I mean, based on the name empathy i'm assuming it doesn't like like it feels what other people feel and if the shrike figures if he can make a big enough christmas tree of pain then empathy will be drawn to it to like stop it because the the poet like feels waves of pain emanating from this tree like it's it's like a separate kind of sense like a, a separate wavelength that's going out into the universe of just pain so maybe the shrike is trying to use that to get get empathy close yeah i think that's that's a good argument and i think i was i was kind of thinking that too it just it just makes the strike be the only his only motivation is to get people to be in pain which is kind of i think is kind of lame it is kind of lame but maybe maybe it's just a case of somebody who's been given a boring job but is finding joy in it you know okay so yeah. the Shrike, they told the Shrike, hey, you've got to go cause as much pain as possible. Go go do it. And the Shrike's like, well, all right. But I am going to really freak out Martin when I do it. I'm just going <laughs> to mess with him. I'm going to mess with Martin. I'm going to do, do a bunch of random stuff that people are going to think are patterns. Like the, I'm going to give one of them this thing they're going to call Merlin's sickness. It's not really going to not really anything behind it but it's gonna make some people pretty uncomfortable (laughs) it's gonna make for a great story yeah so maybe he is just or it is just trying to cause pain and finding finding a little bit of a little bit of fun in it because he's not it's it's not it's not just trying to cause pain it's trying to have fun too yeah the shrike's gotta live what is it right the shrike's not just a machine there's some organic it sounds like organic parts to it. Every time the shrike is described, there's organic parts to it. The shrike's like, let me find a way to combine my love of horticulture 
and my kind of shitty job that I have. The Shrike heard my rant a while ago about bonsai trees and was like, that sounds like a great hobby. Let me get into that. I've got so much free time on my hands. Yeah. Okay. We haven't really... We ha- so we haven't talked about the ousters mm-hmm. really yet. Mm-hmm. And this is something that we... We covered a little bit, I think, in our original Hyperion episodes, mm-hmm. where there's this war going on, but we don't have any sense of communication between the two. Mm-hmm. And at the end of this section, who is it? I think the consul gets ordered to go negotiate Yeah, with the ousters. Mm-hmm. The governor general of Hyperion tells him that he's cleared his ship to go do this yeah we weren't we weren't doing this earlier yeah maybe like as soon as we made contact we didn't send a ship to be like hey what peace <laughs> hey this could be really bad if we didn't if we didn't team up a little bit here maybe an arms control treaty <laughs> hey we we recognize hey the ais are probably bad let's let's get them you make some cool stuff, we make some cool stuff, maybe maybe work out a trade agreement. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. To it, me. It is insane. I think the only explanation I have for it is that and I think the consul relates this a little bit in his story, but the ousters like hate the AIs. And that's why mm. the ousters like the ousters don't I think they don't have the AIs because they think they're really dangerous. And so they probably just see the people as extensions of the AIs. They probably don't see the web as, like, people. They probably see them as, like, drones that are, like, puppets in the AI schemes. Okay, sure. But if they were to... Oh, so so you're saying that there may have been attempts at at some kind of diplomacy... Mm-hmm. But the ostrich was like, you guys are just the AIs. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Maybe maybe they didn't think that the, you know, the attempts were coming directly from the AIs, but that the people were so heavily influenced by the AIs that they just were basically the mouthpieces for them. Which, uh, I don't know why the web didn't come to this conclusion earlier that the being so tied to the AIs was a bad idea, but we get... Uh, what was his name? The like main counselor to Gladstone, and um, Severin or something like that. Yeah, and Severins get teleported to the wrong place, and they're like, "How could this happen?" And then they realize, "Oh yeah, the AIs control literally all of our teleportation capabilities and can do whatever they want with them." Maybe that. Yeah, maybe that was a bad idea. Yeah. So I think. I think. This is kind of, you know, when you, you walk by your kitchen and there's like a bunch of dirty cereal bowls in there mm-hmm. and you're like, I didn't see that. You keep walking. Yeah. That's what I think this is. Yeah. Everybody sees the issue and it's just like, mm, I don't want to deal with that right now. Everyone's like, I and that's know. that's been happening for centuries. Everyone's like, I know Mark Zuckerberg has downloaded literally all of my pictures but I love posting to Facebook and Instagram. How else are people going to like my posts? Mark, yeah. here's one of my dog. Enjoy that 
Yeah, everyone's very, I, th- everyone's very aware, but it just pushed the pushed the concern continuously lower. Right, right, right. Until one day, Mark's gonna release all those pictures that he's photoshopped to show everyone his dog people. Pretty, pretty ambitious project there. Yeah, but um, you know, I think he could do it. He's a real go getter, <laughs> from what I hear. Right. Okay, hold on. Before they they have their teleportation mishap, Maseverins is on Renaissance Vector. Everybody knows the world is about to end, and there's riots happening. People are trying to get through the Farcasters. And he's walking around this main square and is like, I could use I could use a bite. And goes up to a a vendor who's selling like funnel cake and gets himself some like donuts and funnel cake and is just sitting on a curb chowing down. Who when the world is ending decides like, yeah, this I I do an invaluable service for these people whipping up funnel cake and honey donuts. I need to be at my post. I know everyone's trying to get through the Farcasters, but, like, p- the people need my funnel cake. I will be in my stall. Who's doing that? Okay. Who's doing Fair that? Fair point. I Yeah, I had this thought, too. My My assumption is that these are the people that are assuming that everything is going to be fine like everyone's just overreacting gonna go make a quick buck here this is gonna be a big day for me (laughs) okay but but why would it be a big day for you who in their right mind is doing what m maseverins is doing and saying you know what i could really use right now while i'm fleeing for my life a funnel cake i don't know nobody because Think, okay, here's the other thing. If it's really popular, it's got a line, right? I'm not waiting in line for a funnel cake when there's a line over there that's like, teleport away from this planet to be killed. But but I got the sense that the the people cannot get to... I think the forecasters are, like, only being allowed for use by the military or certain people. Because there's, there's people listening to rants by the shrike church there's people looting and that kind of stuff so i feel like there's people there mm-hmm. that are like i've got another round of looting coming up if i want to be at my best gotta get a snack in me i don't want to be running around hungry and fighting other looters for the good stuff i want to be hydrated i want to get some calories in me go in there for a second round and so this guy is yelling out like Get re-energized for your next smash and grab. Come here. Get this funnel cake. Or there's got to be a lot of people that are there just like, fuck it. We're going to die. I can eat funnel cake if I want to this week. I'll take five, please. (laughs) That I could see. That I could see happening. They're like, I've always wanted to try these euros, but the little little swiveling meat thing worries me. And since we're going to die anyway, I want to see what it tastes like. You know what? We're going to live a little. You know what? Put that on a funnel cake. Someone's like, someone's like, you know, Dippin' Dots, Dippin' Dots have survived this long and I still haven't tried them. I'm going to give it a shot. Maybe it's time. 
Okay, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. So this guy's service is invaluable, then. Side note, Dippin' Dots is still the ice cream of the future. It's not. It's gone. It is. It is. It's never coming just, back. Just you guys wait. It's fantastic. Uh, oh, also called shot from the last one. Uh, Martin's not dead. We, I just, ca- we called it. Right. Slam dunk. Right. Yeah. Um, you think, you think Mastin is dead? dead? I mean, we saw his body and they buried him. I do think he's dead. I think it's incredibly disre- disrespectful that they wrapped this like nature loving Templar in a tarp and buried him in a shallow grave. Right, that guy wants to be that guy wants to be a tree. Yeah, that guy wants you to take an apple. At least plant him with a seed. Yeah, take an apple and put it in his mouth like a pig at a roast, and then bury him with that, so the apple grows out of like his brain or some, I don't know, something like that. Whatever. Yeah, I think that's how it works. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> also, though, how they buried him a little too quickly, right? I don't remember. So didn't they? When they said that like he was starting to decompose, didn't he? Yeah, but like they said, it was an hour. He's not like falling apart after an hour, right? Right. So like, you saw a priest reform from a dead body. This guy hasn't even told his story yet. Maybe he's got like four of these in him. Oh, that's true. We don't know his story. And you just buried him. You waited an hour and were like, yeah, he's not coming back. It takes three days for those priests to come back. Granted, they did come back quicker, you know, in this in this realm. But still. Right. You're going to bury a guy that you don't... No. Come on. You could just move him to another temple. You don't have to sleep right next to the this corpse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think Give it's him, hasty. Like, take him in and out so that he gets a nice tan for when he wakes up. Do you still tan? I oh, I don't know if you, I don't think. You I still... mean, probably not in this age. No, no. He's also probably got a pretty good tan based on what he was doing <laughs> right, right, right before right. he collapsed. Okay, one one other thing that needs to be tied together. What are the cruciforms? Yeah. Yeah, Father Dure thinks he knows what they are. Nobody really knows what these things are. No, because the Shrike just, like, takes it out of him. Yeah, like, no problem. Those have got to be something. Got to be something interesting. Yeah, the story can't just end and they're like, yep, and they were parasites. They were just... They were just... They're things, they just grow in Hyperion. It's kind of weird. Yeah. (laughs) They need humans to bind to. There's, like, hundreds of them down there. Maybe even thousands. Um, just waiting. Just evolution, the mysteries of nature, you know? Wow, how incredible. David Attenborough, get down here. Let's talk about him. Yeah, I, we, need, we need some resolution there. Um, I also really want... Like, I'm excited for this conversation with the Ousters. Because I... They dedicated so hard to this plan. And I want to know why. Like, what... Why are they so bent on destroying the web? Also, how did they how did they tell their kids, like, listen, you're on a ship, it's headed somewhere, and you're just gonna fuck shit up when you get there? Well, they they probably are in. The, 
<laughs> They're probably in those little stasis fields. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I like okay. to think they just passed on the legend from generation also, to generation. Also, okay, one thing that's that's absurd to me is nobody knows anything about Ousters, right? Nobody knows anything about them. Or, okay, maybe not nothing, but very little. We don't know their technological capabilities. Uh, we don't know. The AI doesn't know much about them. And they're like, yeah, if they were, you know, if they were driving at us without the Hawking Drive, it'd be forever. You don't, you, you have no clue. Maybe they found something cooler than a Hawking Drive. Have you ever think right. of that? No? Well, have we talked to them? <laughs> no? Okay, well, then we have no idea. They're literally, they have evolved purely on the, techno- on the technology of their, like, spaceship. They don't have a world. Right. They're just hanging out on spaceships. They've got to be bored. There's, their spaceships are probably better than yours. <laughs> oh, that's so true. The web is so arrogant with their level of technology. They're like, oh, our battleships are way cooler than the swarm. No, they're not. They're definitely not. Because the swarm live on their ships. They've got nothing to do but ships. And you, like, I don't know, eat fancy cocktail, shrimp cocktail, and hang out in in trees, okay? Stop basing your, your information off of yourself. This is... I think we're coming down again. The web deserves to go, man. We're so pro-ouster. From the little that we know about the ousters, I love them. Take me with you. Think? you. Take me with you. You think, you think the empathy thing is an ouster? Mm. Ooh, this is... We're on to a theory right here, Luke. I think you've just... I think you've just brought us to an interesting place. I think... I'll bet the ousters have their own legend about what's going on in Hyperion. And that legend is informed by the empathy AI. Because I, we're, the whole story we've been told so far is from the perspective of the web. But maybe the web is meant to go down because the web story is all about this ultimate intelligence that's going to be terrible for people. And the ousters, which is, it's kind of like Hyperion. In Hyperion, the ousters are like way cooler than the web. It's just our perspective the whole time is in the web. So maybe the ousters have their own kind of religion that's like about empathy, that this empathy AI, that that's what, that's why they're attacking Hyperion and that's why they're doing all their stuff. Ooh, I like that. Let's, let's go, let's go with that for our, for our big theory for the next episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the next episode, Luke, we're going to be finishing up. Finishing up Hyperion. Finishing a fall of Hyperion. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, so, I mean, this... I just... If we could have a moment with Dan. Dan. Dan Simmons, author of these books. Don't don't give me an ending like Hyperion, please. Great. It was a great book. But, like, they can't all just walk off into the sunset and have all these things unresolved. We need some... We need, we need I'm going to need some crazy plot twists. Yeah, we need some crazy plot twists. We need some cool action. And I, I think we're going to get it. I'm pretty excited for it. 
I'm just like I'm a little scared. Yeah, a little worried. But I don't know. I, I mean, I'm sure Dan, I'm sure Dan's gonna hit us with some freaking insane plot twists, which we're gonna have some equally insane hot takes about. And we're gonna act like some dumb nerds. I don't know what this. I don't know how to bring dumb nerds into that.